0: And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
1: Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back, JT here. Raider Nation Radio. As we get you ready for the Bears at the Raiders this weekend... But the reason we're here is at the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open, one of my favorite events of the year. I live in Summerlin. It's right down the road. It's an A-list event, a Mount Rushmore charity here, not only globally, nationally, but here in Vegas. And Patrick Lindsay, kind enough to join us, the executive director of the Shriners Children's Open. Patrick, thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming here. This is great. What a venue, and to have us here in this beautiful venue up here on the hill. Yep. Looking down, I was looking at 1, I'm looking at 18. What an event. What a spot. Thanks for doing this. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, you're hanging out here in the Caesar Sportsbook Hill, so. Yeah, pretty, yeah, let's pretty, get pretty, that in. Yeah. Pretty good
1: uh, new partner
2: of ours. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty good environment up here. It's going to be a crazy weekend.
1: Before we get to the golfers who are here, I want to talk about the local involvement from the sponsors and the national sponsors mm-hmm. and how they believe in Triner so much. This is something that everybody in this town has been on the same page with since I've been here we just talked to two of your patient ambassadors who were incredible on the radio. This is a big family event to me.
2: Yeah, it, it totally is. You know, it's, it's so great to be able to put on a professional sporting sporting event like, you know, this PGA Tour event that supports just an incredible cause. And you saw it with the, the two kids that were on. I mean, could they be any more incredible? And that's how all of the kids are. I mean, Shriners has treated over 1.5 million, million families across the world over, you know, almost 100 years. And that's all, regardless of the family's ability to pay. I mean, there's no there's no greater cause, and it's it's. I don't, I don't want to say it's easy because we have a lot of challenges um, being out in the marketplace. But you start talking about the charity, and then you pair it with professional sports. You know, it's it's awesome to be able to have Caesars and and Win and MGM and stations and everybody kind of come together and this community yeah. come together to support this event and support this cause special
1: because they all realize that helping kids get surgeries and deferring the cost and picking up the tab and then having the vibe around these kids that mm-hmm. they feel comfortable and their families feel comfortable because everyone i've ever met in Shriners who's involved with Shriners or help with the charity understand that everybody involved really gives a hundred percent they are so kind they're so generous they're so polite when I walk through the gates today, everyone, thank you. Hello. What can I do to help you with? Talk about the volunteers behind the scenes here. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. I mean, the PGA Tour events
2: just period. It takes about 1,000 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a lot of volunteers from the Valley. We had about 1,000 volunteers this year. About 400 of them um, are actual Shriners that come from around the, the country to help participate. And then we have about 600 here locally that will help uh, help us put on this event. But, Yeah. Over over a thousand volunteers this year.
1: Patrick Lindsay, executive director of the Shriners Children's Open. Let's talk about the field because I was just talking to my dad, eighty two, back in Long Island, New York, <laughs> and I said, put on golf channel and he knew I was here and he's a Kepka guy. And then yeah. you look at the leaderboard and then you look at the money. Yeah. Seven million dollars involved here. Yep. And the players who have been coming the last couple of years, take me behind the scenes about some of these conversations to these golfers, these athletes saying, extend your season, come play at Triners, be a part of this. And now I'm seeing more and more A-list golfers here.
2: Yeah, it's something that we've really tried hard over the last probably four or five years to really increase the field and make sure that the guys playing inside the ropes uh, are who the community wants to see you know you can go down in the strip at any point and see an a-list celebrity we get that and we knew that in order to grow this event to the heights that we want it to be it really kind of started with the players for us and we went actually went out in in the uh in the marketplace here in the community and helped and we've partnered with the gold knights and the raiders and ufc just the the last Mm -hmm. three years alone and we provided like this player gift at the Tour Championship, you know, like the last 30 guys who play in Atlanta. And they've provided a gift to those players to get them to come play the event. And that's just that type of communication has helped a lot to make sure that the guys know that we want them here and uh, we'll thank them for being here and just that, you know, the community is excited to have them. They're a part of what our growth is, and that's what's really important, that they know that they're
1: a part of it. And it's a PGA Tour stop and win if you get one, if you look at exemptions. And the money is enormous here, and you get to come to Vegas. So I know not all of the leaders are going to go to the fight. I know all the leaders aren't (laughs) going to be able to go clearly to a Raider game on Sunday. They're going to be competing, but they get to take their spouses and their families. To Vegas, right. and then be a part of TPC Summerlin and see these beautiful mountains here. Who's complaining about that? I, there's no one that
2: complains <laughs> about coming to Vegas. Let me tell you, I've, I go around and I go around about five tournaments a year, and I talk to guys about coming to play this event. And I tell you what, every single one of them is like, "Wow, Vegas! I'm there every year." No offense to some of the other markets that they go to, but it was really important for us to make sure that they know that Vegas wanted them, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah. like we're going to have a great time." An absolutely great time in Vegas. It's going to be a, a can't-miss for us. And that was something that we wanted is that we wanted to establish ourselves as this fall event, as guys know that they have to start playing more in the fall, mm-hmm. that this event is the event that they can't miss.
1: Patrick Lindsay's our guest. So tell me about the extension you signed here <laughs> with Shriners and what a big deal. I'm sure Shriners is thrilled. You're thrilled. The golfers in our community here, everybody in Vegas is thrilled about this.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we're we really happy. I mean, five-year five, five extension through 2026 uh, just to kind of establishes our – a bit more here. We're really excited to be a part of this market, and as it is growing uh, in the sports world, we're obviously the, becoming the sports capital of the world, right? And PGA Tour golf, I think sometimes is, is lost in it, but, like, not this week. We're not lost in it this week, and we are excited to be here. There's a lot going on this weekend. It's almost become this ultimate sports weekend. We're happy to be a part of it.
1: Uh, take us behind the scenes as we wrap this up, and tell me something about Shriners Hospital recently that blew you away. <laughs> maybe a visit with a kid, maybe a family after a surgery something you learned that as you're involved with this intimately, that just blew you away well, recently.
2: I will try to do two stories. One, my son's a child. My, my son is is a patient of Shriners, and wasn't until actually I came here to work for the organization, but I've been able to now re you know receive care and also help promote it through this awesome golf tournament. And it's been truly an amazing experience to have my son as a patient and go through some of his challenges. But then also we went to Salt Lake, excuse me, uh, Sacramento, the Sacramento hospital, and got a tour of that facility. And we got to go through their prosthetic lab. And let me tell you how cool that was. I mean, every kid walks out of that Sacramento hospital who needs a prosthetic, not with one prosthetic, you know device, and in this instance, I was, I was looking at um, a prosthetic leg, the child gets to walk out with one that they need, you know, just to, for the normal day, and then one that they want. And, you know, that, that one that they want could be as simple as being able to put, um, like, a, a slip between the, the, the big toe and then the toe next to it in order mm-hmm. for that kid to be able to wear sandals, just like everybody else. I mean, it's just like those little things that
1: really, really touched me while I was there. Wow sounds emotional. Yeah. I mean, you're really tied both ways Yeah, with the child and being involved with this. What's your vision for this tournament in the next couple of years? What's next, considering you have this amazing venue? Everybody's getting more and more familiar with it. We're on Raider Nation Radio, so a Raider fan could be listening in London right now mm-hmm. on the team app, and we get a lot of listeners around the country. If they can't get to this event, how can they help? Well,
2: you can absolutely just go to uh, ShrinersChildren.org and, and make a donation. I mean, that, that right there um, helps – Helps the organization so way. You know anything is as little as five dollars makes a big difference to us. Um, uh, what our vision is here, my vision for this event, really exists behind you on the whole 16 okay. and 17. We've really grown our infrastructure around the 17th hole and we want to start wrapping that hospitality around 16 green as well and create a fun, be-seen, lively atmosphere, similar that they have in Phoenix that we get compared to quite often. But the holes behind you on 16 and 17 are exactly the holes where we're going to start featuring, and we're going to have a really nice experience for years to come.
1: I love that because we just talked, and I want to get into the Ryder Cup participants who are Mm -hmm. here in the field, but I think golf needs to go in that direction with more interaction with fans on certain holes. And look, I had a big topic on sports radio, uh, both my shows last month, when it came to what was happening to Bryson. What were people saying, Brooksy, to him? And they were saying, well, he should be able to handle this. Football players and baseball players are getting yelled at. I said, no, when you play golf, there's a level of etiquette that you have to have as a fan. You can have, Look at all the beverages that are here and all the, all the beverage partners. But when a golfer's in his backswing, you mm-hmm. can't talk and right. you can't be that guy. But you right. can have a certain hole, a par three, or a certain wraparound hole where everybody's encouraged to have a great time. Yeah, I, and that's that's what it's
2: all about. I want people to have a great time. I don't want it to be a great time in expense of the golfer. Absolutely, right? Yes. I want guys to. I want there to be a great shot and there be loud cheers for that. Now, what I also say is, betting has become more and more popular sure. and in this sport. You know, we, we all have to be careful of uh, of of kind of that etiquette in golf, as people might have big money on a shot. And I I hope that our our fans don't go out and try to
1: influence that. That is I've never heard anybody say it that way. So gambling and golf, where fans could unfortunately, fortunately influence a player for going lower and being motivated and be excited, but you don't want that to get in the way of a round that can influence a payoff. Right. Right. Interesting. I appreciate you doing this, Pac Lindsay. Thanks for having us. I'll be out here all weekend and there's a lot going on in town. And tell us one more time about your relationship with Caesar Sportsbook. With all the PR I'm seeing around here, what a great partner you have going forward. Yeah, they're going to be – they're a great partner
2: this year. They're even even, being an even better partner moving forward. Um, uh, They're a proud partner this year, which means they're our highest-level partner. They have hospitality, pro-em spots, activations on site here in the Hill, um, and just we're extremely excited to have them now and moving forward. Thank
1: you, Patrick. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. There he is, Patrick Lindsay. We thank him for coming up here to this venue and having us here. It's a big deal for Raider Nation radio as we grow our brand coming up we have a bears insider and we have them on for a reason i watched a video of a couple of throws that were made by justin fields that jacob infante broke down and i said holy crap I didn't know he could make those throws, and he's playing our Raiders on Sunday. He will tell you exactly why Justin Fields can make every throw and what the Raiders need to be concerned about as we continue on here. Raider Nation Radio, we are live at the Shriners. We'll be here all weekend. We have other remotes. I believe tomorrow Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff on ESPN Radio will be here. Come on out. Buy tickets. Support the Shriners and what they do. They do an incredible job. You'll feel great walking around this great golf course, the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open. JT back on Raider Nation Radio.
2: Last couple of weeks, we've had some some good conversations internally. It's led to making the decision to move with Justin as a starter.
1: Yeah, that's Matt Nagy, and that's a big deal because he's been up and down in regards to what he wants to say about his quarterbacks. About three days ago, Jacob Infante, who's a Bears insider, put up a video, which I just retweeted, of these three throws. And he said, plays like these throws today give me hope for justin fields and the future of the bears going forward uh, jacob is kind enough to join us he does a great job and again this is the one guy i wanted to have on this week from windy city gridiron jacob thanks for coming on i appreciate a few minutes how are you
3: hey jt i'm great thank you for the kind words i'm really appreciative to be on here today
1: well thanks a lot because you blew me away when i saw those vid- videos and i was with John Gruden today, and we were talking about what's going to happen with Justin Fields. A lot of in Vegas think that it's like Lamar Jackson. Just stop the run, stop his RPOs, keep them in the pocket, and you'll control him, and the Raiders will win. But then I saw the throws from last week, and I had no idea how pinpoint accurate they were.
3: Yeah, I mean, and that's been a strength of Justin Fields uh, going back to Ohio State. I mean... Obviously, the athleticism is you know, game changing, and his ability to run is you know, already makes him one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. But the accuracy that he has and the timing and the placement behind his throws are they're simply impressive. And I feel like throws like the ones that we saw last week, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not so much against the Browns the week before, right. but when he had a clean pocket to work with, when he had, Something and it wasn't being pressured every single snap, then uh, we got to see a lot more of that deep ball accuracy, which is something the Bears have really struggled in in recent years, no, no matter who's been the quarterback.
1: Jacob Infante is our guest, so I'm happy you brought that up because the week before, he had arguably the worst game at quarterback in 30 years. I mean, it was one of the worst statistical games ever played at the position. How did they clean it up? so quickly from one week to the next before he gets here to Vegas to play the Raiders. Yeah, so I do think part of that had to
3: do with the level of competition. I think that Mm -hmm. the Browns' pass rush is very good. It's one of the best units in the league, and, you know, having Miles Garrett going up against, what, 39-year-old Jason Peters now? I mean, he's not in the prime of his career, and Miles Garrett might be the best edge rusher in the NFL today. Uh, So... Those, that matchup itself was a little bit of uh, a tricky situation for the Bears to work with, but also I think that uh, Bill Lazor calling the plays. The offensive coordinator took over uh, play-calling duties from head coach Matt Nagy, and I think that that helped a decent amount. I think that it Lazor was able to play to field strengths a little bit more. Uh, I think that the pass protection definitely stepped up uh, from you know, both a, a tackle and an interior perspective. So a lot definitely went right from an offense perspective against the Lions last week. So, you know, from a Bears perspective, they're hoping that they can build upon that. And the Raiders do have a talented pass rush. I mean, you've got uh, Max Crosby rushing off the edge who's been improving every single year, mm-hmm. and a Yannick Nagakwe too. So there's, there's talent up front there. And I think that it's going to be a challenge for the Bears. But if we have Bill Lazor calling plays, in the manner that he did last week. I think that's going to be uh, a good sign of things to come for Chicago. Well,
1: Jacob Infante is our guest, lead draft analyst, Bears writer, podcaster for Windy City Gridiron, NFL draft analyst for the Draft Wire. Highly reputable sources here when we're talking about the Bears. So what do you think of the Raiders? You look at the Raiders going 3-0, and and then they're down 21-0 in L.A. They come back 21-14. Carr showed up in the second half of the game after being the AFC Offensive Player of the Month. What's everybody in Chicago think of the Raiders? I honestly think that Chicago
3: aren't giving the Raiders enough credit. I think that there's a lot to like on that roster. Uh, the offense has been playing very well. Uh, more often than not, Derek Carr is off to an incredible start to the year, and the defense seems to be you know, improving for the most part. Uh, I do feel like Chicagoans believe that the bears are the underdogs in this mm-hmm. uh, simply because of how well the Raiders have played the last few weeks, but I don't think it's really sunk in how well Derek Carr has been playing, how productive he's been, uh, how efficient that offense has been. So again, I, I do feel like most people realize that the bears are you know, facing an uphill battle to win this game. But I think that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the Raiders, not just in Chicago, but nationally and I think they're a very good team, at least from an outside perspective.
1: Jacob Infante, as we wrap it up, so tell me about Montgomery being out at running back and what the Bears are going to want to do to establish the run because I said this when the Raiders faced Lamar Jackson. Who cares if they hand off or not? Lamar Jackson can run for 80 yards. He can run for 90. They're the number one rushing team, not because of their running backs, their quarterbacks. And as I analyze this game with the Bears, they lose their featured running back but they have a quarterback that if he breaks one or two runs, it could be for 30 or 40 yards and get that rushing number up there. What are the Bears going to try to do, establish the run or attack the Raiders downfield? Personally,
3: I feel like uh, the Bears' offense is rooted in kind of those short passes more so than uh, full-on establishing the run. But mm-hmm. I think that David Montgomery going down definitely hurts them. Uh, David Montgomery was off to a really good start for the Bears' Uh looked more explosive than last year and maintained the sideline to sideline agility and that, you know, impressive contact balance. So what I think the bears will do is they'll stick to uh, their identity in the run game, which is, you know, zone heavy scheme, you know, moving along the offensive linemen a lot uh, and getting them on the move as down blockers and look for Damian Williams, uh, former chief. So Raiders fans should be, you know, pretty, Familiar with him. I uh, look for Damian Williams to step into the starting lineup and split carries with rookie Khalil Herbert. I think that both of them have, you know, quite a bit of juice out of the backfield. So they might not be as powerful as Montgomery. They might not have the uh, incredible vision that Montgomery has, but they, they've got some athleticism and they've got a lot of stuff to work with. So I think that there shouldn't be too much of a switch in philosophy there. I think that, you know, Utilizing the run game to put pressure off Justin Fields and also maybe execute a couple read options. I feel like with Justin Fields' athletic ability, that's something the Bears could do a little bit more of mm-hmm. uh, and really sell home that threat that Justin Fields could uh, take the ball himself and run it. So we'll see what the Bears end up doing. I personally think a little bit more option plays would be great for them, but. Regardless, I'm expecting zone-heavy, uh, maybe a bit of a split backfield for Chicago.
1: Hey, Jacob, last one. I don't like the way with my other show for Sirius XM we do a national show, and a lot of calls are coming in on Matt Nagy, and then all of a sudden Urban Meyer's transgressions came and got everybody <laughs> off of Nagy, and everybody's talking about Urban Meyer every night this week. And I go back that I heard some sources and people say, That if the Raiders win this game big, Nagy could be fired. And the McCaskies don't do it that way. That's not very similar to the Steelers and the Rooney family. They don't fire coaches midway through the season. But considering he's not going to come back if this team doesn't make the playoffs, is there any chance that the Bears fire their coach if the Bears don't have a good performance or a reputable performance here in Vegas? I mean, I feel like there's a chance because you take a look at
3: the teams that the Bears are going to be playing down the line, they've got a really tough schedule. Oh, it's after brutal! Vegas, yeah, after Vegas, they've got Green Bay, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, oh. Pittsburgh, and then their bye weeks. That's a gauntlet of teams. So it's going to be interesting. I don't personally don't think the Bears will fire Nagy uh, in season mm. because, like you said, that's just not the way they've done things in the past. And I think if anything, they're going to wait to, uh, you know, give Nagy the full season to work with, especially. Now that he isn't calling plays anymore, I think that that's a better role for Nagy to be in the general overseer of all three phases. Whereas, you know, not being so focused on the offensive side of the ball, I think that he tends to struggle with that, which isn't ideal, but I mean, it is what it is. So uh, I short, well, short story, uh, short answer, rather, I'm going to say, no, I don't okay. think the bears are going to fire Matt Nagy after this game. If they lose, uh, his seat will definitely get hotter, and I think that they might end up making a decision before the season ends, but they just won't act on it until after the season ends because that's just the way the McCaffreys run things.
1: Thanks, Jacob. I'm really happy we had you on. Really impressed with your work. You added a lot to our show and prepping our listeners for this game. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. There's- you got it. Appreciate it. He was great. Jacob Infante. You know, I believe when we built, we, everybody on this lineup, the sales team, the Raiders built this flagship station and wanted to do it better than before. One of the big things, hot buttons for me, is we have to put on the other side. I mean, who knows, who knows this much about the Bears? Well, the Bears play by Playboys, a former player, a kid like that. He's a young kid in his 20s who analyzes the film of the Bears. He knows the Bears much better than I do. And everybody does that well. Vinny, Clay, all the shows that you hear here, Q, you got to put on the other side and find out what we're dealing with. And, again, this game reminds me exactly of the Dolphins. But it sounds better this week on this show because a lot of Raider fans aren't chirping. Oh, they were chirping. Oh, they were chirping when the Dolphins came in. We're going to kill them. Oh, my God, we're going to kill them. How'd that feel? You didn't kill them. So this is a game where I think a lot of Raider Nation is guarded, understanding that the Raiders are a Vegas favorite. How many games are the Raiders going to be favored the rest of the year? There are several games where they will not be the favorite. This one, they're the heavy favorite. And I just don't sense. I don't hear the arrogance. I don't hear the cockiness. And I think that's a good thing because I think everybody kind of got shooken up a little bit by that Chargers game and what happened down 21-0 especially the 60,000-plus Raider fans who went there and had to go to the beer line at halftime down 21 nothing. You didn't hear a lot of chirping from Raider fans at SoFi when they were down that big. So if you want to do this the rest of the way here, i got about a half hour left, 702-365-9200. How much respect do you have for the Bears? Who's going to be the key player in this game, and how do you stop Justin Fields? I want to hear from you on that. Raider Bull in Fort Worth, Texas on the mobile app. Go ahead, Bull. Thank you, Brick, for letting me in, into the Brick house. Thank you. Uh, listen, I
4: just want to piggyback on the first caller's comment about Al, Al Davis. It's hard to believe that tomorrow, October 8th, will be 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and what a great personality he was, Brick. He was, uh, uh, he was synonymous in, in, in the animals of pro, pro football. He's up there with Tom Landry and uh, Vince Lombardi. Mm-hmm. He's up there. Uh, when I think about Al Davis, I, I kind of chuckle and smile. And I think about the way he spoke. He was he enunciated each syllable, it seemed like, and he was just a great. <laughs> he, the way he dressed and the way he walked and his hair slicked back, he was the Elvis Presley of the NFL. And I also uh, like to mention, I was out your way uh, last month. I got a chance to visit Allegiant Stadium. Mm-hmm. What a great, great place that is. And I looked up at it and I said, man, what a long way from Frank U. Field, which I used to go to as a kid in Oakland. But I also just want to mention one last thing. Uh, this weekend it'll be bounce-back weekend. It will be Wilder inside of 8, and it will be the Raiders 27-10.
1: Wow, Wilder inside of 8. I I'd lo- I root for the Bronze Bomber. I'd love to see him win. I'm gonna- I'd love to see him win that fight. But Fury knows his game inside and out. The good news about Wilder is he's not chirping. He's not talking too much. And hopefully he went away and learned how to box because he didn't know how to box. I mean, Wilder is not a great boxer. He's no Muhammad Ali. He doesn't have a lot of footwork. He doesn't have a lot of other punches other than a big right hand, and he better have a little bit more. He's just got to get the left jab going. He's got to keep Fury off of him in this fight looking forward to this. You know, I have a few Al Davis stories. Al Davis was very intimidating. I got hired with the team in 1998, and instantly I met Mr. Davis. I got hired to do the pre- and post-game show. Bruce Allen, at the time who was the senior assistant, which was the GM, took me to Mr. Davis on the field. And that was my introduction to him. And Mr. Davis could not have been kinder. And I shared the story about Jim Brown. Uh, I called Jim Brown because I did an exclusive with Jim on the radio. And I said, when was the last time you saw Mr. Davis? And he said, about 10 years. And I said, are you kidding me, Jim? And I said, do you mind if, uh," because he was coming up for the Cleveland game, if I set up a meeting with you two? Because they're both Syracuse legends, Hall of Famers. And he said, I'd like that. And I set up that interview. And it's one of the proudest achievements of my life to call Fudgy at the time, Mr. Davis's assistant, and say that Jim Brown would like to meet with Mr. Davis. And she called me back about a half hour later and said, bring him up to the suite. I brought him up to the suite. And what a moment. I'll keep that private. What a moment. And then I left and walked out as they talked in private. And then afterwards, we interviewed Jim. And I hope someone who's listening at the Raiders, at Silver and Black Productions, could find that. On the 10-year mark of Mr. Davis passing away, what Jim Brown had to say. And my favorite restaurant in the entire Bay Area is the North Beach Restaurant. North Beach Restaurant, one of the greatest Italian restaurants I've ever been to in my life. And one night, my wife and I went to dinner when we were living in San Francisco, and Mr. Davis sat at that table in the front in a bay window. And he found out that we were there. And he invited my wife and us over. We said hi. We didn't sit down. And then after the end of our meal, we found out the waiter came over and said, Mr. Davis picked up your meal. And he already left with Mrs. Davis at that point in time. And that was one of the most kindest moments that he would do that for my wife and I was we were newlyweds. We're only married a year or two. And, uh, you know, Mr. Davis has had a big impact on my life. I wish he was here still to this day to see his son with this incredible achievement. What Mark Davis did to build this stadium – And to make it about not only the Raiders and their fans, but about his dad as a tribute to Al Davis. So anyone who's coming up who's new in football, new in the NFL, a new player on another team, a new executive, a new fan. When they come to Allegiant Stadium, they will instantly learn about the legacy and history of Al Davis. And that is the ultimate tribute that a son can give to their father. That's what a son, that's what I hope I can do for my dad is to give that type of tribute for him. Mark Davis was able to do that for Mr. Davis and Mrs. Davis, who is a monster part of this global Raider Nation. And I try to bring up her name as much as possible because we wouldn't have this unique opportunity in Vegas without Mrs. Davis on top of Mark Davis. We'll wrap it up with Vic Tafer coming up. Vic knows the team as good as anybody, has some of the best analysis that we see. And we'll find out what's going on with the offensive line. What's the real story? At times they don't tell JT the real story. They just wheel me in and out to do some podcasts, some TV tomorrow, and some radio interviews. Vic will get to the bottom of it next.
0: I just
3: thought it was unfortunate that he would even think to say it. Maybe he just trying to get under my skin, which he did piss me off. So good job for that. But that's not a bad thing either.
1: That's Derek Carr as he's talking about Joey Bosa's comments after the game. I mean, Derek's got to defend himself. That's it, and he did. He's not happy about it, and the only way Derek can quiet him down is that Derek's got to go out and do a good job and win that next game. Hey, I want to thank Kenny, the GM at Five Iron Golf. First guy I saw when I walked into the Shriners today. Right when I went in, Five Iron Golf's got an unbelievable setup here. It is the best spot in town to play golf, to simulate your life as a golfer. You got to do it at Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility inside Area 15, eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses, including TPC Summerlin. So not surprised that I walked in and saw my man, Kenny, the GM. But incredible that he understands this is where golf fans are. I'm trying to tell everybody to get out to 5-iron golf, get inside Area 15. They got great league play. And once you get in there, you'll continue to go back. It's changed my game. I just won closest to the pin at Angel Park on 183-yard. Part three, left it within four feet and got a lot of prizes. Only reason I was dialed in, absolutely dialed in, was my play, improved play at 5-iron golf. Seven zero two three six five, ninety two hundred. Vic tafer kind enough to join us, the great insider from the Athletic. And Vic, you know better than me. Tell me what's happening with this offensive line, Leatherwood, the potential to mix and match this offensive line against Khalil Mack and the Bears.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I was. I don't know when you know. Gluten said Tuesday they weren't going to panic. I'm not sure they call this panic or not, but. Uh, Ideally, you want your first round pick to kind of keep playing at right tackle and get those snaps and get that experience. But um, I guess Olsen said they wanted their best five guys in the field, and they figured uh, Brandon Parker at right tackle and. you know, Leatherwood at the guard was a better, a better lineup, so we'll have to wait and see. But definitely an interesting move for for sure.
1: Now, we're going to have to wait and see. And, and Vic, what do you think? Because you don't have the access that you normally would have with Leatherwood inside and outside the locker room. But how, what are you hearing, and how is he handling this and some of the criticism that's coming at him? Because I thought he'd have a couple of bad plays, but not a couple of bad games. And he's got to be mentally strong playing for Nick Saban and winning the Outland Trophy.
0: Yeah, I did talk to Tom Cable um, last night, and I think what Tom said. This goes for both. I think Weatherwood and John Simpson. Like they're not obviously the first half, are not not going well. They blow their nerves, or they're not calmed down enough, or not trusting their technique. But both those guys are playing better in the second halves. So just one positive that Tom's taking from this. But obviously, you need to play well the whole game. So I think that's youth and experience. But that's definitely the biggest thing that Alex is going through right
1: now. Vic Tay for senior writer at the Athletic covers the Raiders. So, Vic, and I look at Tom Cable, he's done a great job with Next Man Up, but how frustrated is he with all these injuries? I I interviewed Coach Gruden today, and he started off talking about the injuries. This is an offensive line that hasn't had their five, their core, for years. I mean, they can't stay healthy. It's always Next Man Up. Do you believe that this group will be able to sustain the season, or they'll be bringing up other players or have to go find new players from other rosters?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously Desmond Good was a big loss before the year, and they kind of were thinking Richie will be back by right now. Like, they thought he'd be back by the opener, and like Gooden said it's still kind of uncertainty. his calf strain still kind of not healing the way they thought it would. So that's, that's those are two big losses, guys who have experience, the big powerful guys who are kind of doing some patchwork stuff now. And uh, so yeah, you know, it's definitely the biggest question mark going forward is whether or not Ken Parker hold up. You know, at, at right tackle, Ken would I give him an extra boost in the run game at guard, and if not, what do you do then? What, what's plan B? So definitely the biggest storyline right now, I think, as far as players go.
1: Vic Tafer's our guest. So, Vic, how do you see it with Justin Fields being named the starter? Matt Nagy went out of his way to say he wasn't going name him, to name him the starter after the Sunday game, and he was going to wait to see if Andy Dalton was healthy and could come back. Andy Dalton is good enough to play in this game, and now he goes with Justin Fields. Are you surprised by that decision?
0: A little bit, but you know, obviously, draft feels high for a reason. I think he made some really nice throws in that game last week. I'm sure, maybe, probably, felt the pulse of his team. Like, you know, the team definitely must have really, you know, got kind of fired up by those those plays. And he gives you a different dynamics and run the ball and throw the ball deep. I just think, you realize, you really can't go back to Andy Dalton at that point if the team really starts to believe in this in this rookie and the plays he can make that other guys can't make. So, I get it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the the plan. They they're going to go for the big you know Chiefs model where. Alex Smith, Mahomes kind of deal, but I don't, it's not, not Smith, and so they hope that the field is, is, is the next Mahomes. Hey,
1: Vic, when we came out of break, we played Derek's comments on the Bosa comments. How do you think that stands with him? You know Derek as good as anybody. You've covered his entire career. Do you expect him to have a bounce-back game, knowing that this is the best defensive line he'll face? They lead the league in sacks with 15. It's his buddy, Khalil Mack. They're really tight, so emotionally he's going to be up for the game, but I don't know how good this offensive line can protect him. What type of game does Derek need to have here? Yeah, I
0: have to step up. I felt like, you know, over the years some of the best games he has when he was angry. I think definitely his comments definitely, like you said, it pissed him off. I think they were kind of a kind of a cheap shot. I mean, obviously, like you said, Derek took a, a hit in that game. I thought he actually played pretty well in the third quarter, so that kind of hurts both his theory. That's been a knock on Derek over the years. He does kind of flinch, or sometimes the hits get to him and doesn't go through his weeds like he was early on, but He's done a much better job of that this year, and even last year he's been more aggressive and taking shots down the field. So I think it will play well. The last week was a hiccup, but I think they have enough weapons in their, in, their, in their receiving game where they should be able to exploit the bear secondary a, a little bit.
1: Wrapping it up with Vic Tay. for Vic, any news on the secondary with Mullen and Arnett and the status and how deep or light they're going to be coming into this game on Sunday?
0: Not so quiet. I haven't heard anything. That maybe John will tell us tomorrow. But uh, so far, they haven't been in practice. So I think I would assume that this week is a no-go. And you know, Casey Hayward has some cramps, but he'll be back this week. And mm. I thought I'd played play pretty well last week. I think, you know, obviously he's undersized, but out of heart. I think that, that goes a long way.
1: Are we going to see, do you think we'll get a Kenyan Drake sighting where he's going to have an explosive game? He was paid, Vic, an awful lot of money to have some flash moments here. We haven't seen much of that because of Barber who had the good finish against Miami and Josh Jacobs coming back. What can we expect from him going forward and getting more of this offensive playbook?
0: Yeah, my sense is they're not really happy with his pass blocking. It's kind of limits how they can use him. But now you got Joe Shard almost back. I mean, not this week, but next week for sure. But so I'm not, it's a good question. I'm not sure what uh, Jake's role is going to be. Definitely smaller at this point than what they envisioned.
1: You nailed it, Vic. You, you've been around a long time. If you can't block as a back for Gruden, you could lose playing time, right?
0: Oh, definitely. I think Peyton Barber came in and showed that. Peyton Barber, I think, he got some snaps on third downs because he, he was running the ball pretty well, but obviously I think the key for him was he was making some key blocks that Drake that couldn't make.
1: Hey, Vic, finally, do you have anything coming out or what's your philosophy or theory about the Khalil Mack experience? Because the London game was one thing. Most Raider fans weren't there, and now he plays the first game with fans in front of Raider Nation. A lot of Raider fans really speak highly still of Khalil Mack. What can we expect from him coming into Vegas? Will you be covering that story, reaching out to him?
0: I haven't yet. I probably will to this weekend, mm-hmm. but obviously he's fired up. He's out you know, there, you know, London, I'm good to do the way you want. He was kind of banged up, and, you know, they turned around to a nice album, and they definitely had some good uh, some help. So I think, you know, you mentioned his old line. definitely a little shakier. He's played well the last few weeks. Uh, he wants to make a statement at some point against the Raiders and show that, hey, you guys made a mistake.
1: Thanks, Vic. Appreciate your time today. I'll see you out at the stadium about All right, Vic Tay, for coming in here as the Raiders get set to host the Bears. You know, Khalil Mack has not had the amount of games that you would see that would end up on SportsCenter. You know, Khalil Mack hasn't had these games that Miles Garrett has had. And if you look at the last year and what we saw out of Pittsburgh, I mean, there are some players in this league that can blow up a line of scrimmage like Watt with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a hell of a player. We've been expecting that, and I know the Chicago fans are expecting that from Khalil Mack. If you were ever going to expect something big from Khalil Mack, wouldn't you expect it at Allegiant Stadium? So the Raiders have to go out of their way to make sure that they chip him and they get a little bit of help for Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr must be protected. I came on the radio Monday on Raider Nation Radio this week, and I said this was going to be a damn dangerous week. Joey Bosa on Monday and Khalil Mack on Sunday. So far, I've been right. I hope I'm wrong on Sunday. I hope on Sunday they do a great job and Khalil Mack doesn't show up in the stat sheet because you know he's going to want to. Him and Derek are really tight. I got time to get you up here before I get out of here. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. One of the things I had to get to before we get out of here today is the Taylor home run for The Dodgers last night at chavez ravine that was a 1-1 game in the ninth inning and st louis couldn't score in the top of the ninth inning when they had a runner on base and the dodgers came up and i didn't think taylor was going to be the hero because this guy was going through one of the biggest slumps in baseball let alone the dodgers he comes off the bench the way kirk gibson came off the bench in a world series now this isn't kirk gibson because he did it in the world series against eckersley but this is one of the biggest home runs in Dodger playoff history. Here's how it sounded. Reyes on two and one, Taylor, fly ball to left, and deep, and done! Chris
0: Taylor, a walk-off home run! The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco! They win the wild card! three to one here comes taylor to the plate they are bobbing him the crowd is going crazy the dodgers advance to the national league division series with one mighty swing by chris taylor
1: pretty good call by Star- charlie steiner i'm not a huge charlie fan i like him with boxing and sports center more that's a great phone that's a great final call that was incredible uh, Taylor, the iconic moment of his career, and a lot of it had to do with Bellinger getting on before him and stealing a base so he'd get a better pitch.
3: Bellinger steals second. What were you thinking in that moment? I
4: let him have the bag. I was
2: taking that pitch all the way. Let him get in scoring position. And once he got there, I was honestly just trying to hit a single, just not try to do too much. And he gave me a good
4: slider to hit. I was able to get it up in the air.
1: I mean, come on, he got a meatball down the middle. He admitted he was trying to hit a base hit. He got a meatball down the middle. You can't get beat on your worst pitch to end the season. you got to go with your best pitch. A slider that didn't break right over the meat of the plate. The guy's trying to hit a Punch and Judy single. His eyes light up. You can see his eyes light up, and he hits it well over the fence. Max Scherzer uh, didn't pitch a great game, but he battled for his team, battled. Through the first few innings of the game and kept this team in it. In the fourth
3: inning, I, I felt I felt like I got in direction better with my elbow, and so I felt like from then I was starting to execute my fastball to my slider, and so at that point that's when I felt like I was started executing pitches better. But hats off up to the Cardinals for their ability to you know spoil pitches, foul off pitches, and uh, just ex- extend at bats. So they were great tonight.
1: Uh, That was a great game. And now they're going to play in the playoffs for the first time ever. Now, how is that possible? Well, it is possible because back in the day they didn't have a wild card. So whoever won the division, the Giants or the Dodgers, went to the playoffs. The other team didn't. But in the wild card era, they've never played each other. And that's the hated rivalry. It's the Red Sox and the Yankees, and it's the Dodgers and the Giants. And we're going to be able to see that. So that is a big deal, unbelievable deal when it comes to what's going to happen in this series coming up. The hated rivals are going to play each other. And there's breaking NBA news today coming from Tim Bontemps from ESPN. Los Angeles became the third city to pass a sweeping COVID-19 vaccine mandate that will impact the NBA, joining New York and San Francisco. The ordinance, which was both passed by the L.A. City Council and signed by the mayor, Eric Garcetti, will go into effect November 29th. Starting that day. Anyone entering those team facilities, indoor gyms, including Staples Center, home of the Lakers and the Clippers, the NHL's LA Kings will have to be fully vaccinated, meaning 14 days past their last dose of their second shot of COVID vaccine, or unless they're getting the one shot. So I don't know what everybody's thinking about the vaccine now. We have a vaccine mandate at Allegiant Stadium, which I fully support. My Knicks in Brooklyn have a full vaccine mandate. Kyrie doesn't know if he's going to jump on board. And now L.A. joins it, the second largest market. So you have the largest market in New York and the second largest market, and people are still wondering about getting a vaccine shot. Incredible. And, and San Francisco. And San Francisco is on the top of the list here as they went first. So this is a big deal that's happening. Hey, let me uh, thank everybody at Shriners as we wrap up the show here. You know, in sports radio, you don't do remotes much anymore for a number of reasons. They're a pain in the neck. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of money, and people behind the scenes to pull it off. I made my name in my career, I think, for doing remotes. I do them anywhere, anytime, night or day, because I love being out with the masses, and I love working with charities, and Shriners is at the top of the list. Thanks to Mateo Lopez-Gonzalez for engineering the show. Fantastic job today, thanks for getting us set up here. And we're in this beautiful location on the hill, so if you're coming out here for golf over the next couple of days, you'll know where to find me. I'm going to try to get back here tomorrow, but tomorrow I have a bigger event for me, Simon Keats Foundation event. So I'm going to host the Silver and Black TV show tomorrow, then head over to Simon Keats' event, and then come back here on Saturday to watch some golf. Maybe follow Brooks Kepka for a couple of holes. Scotty Scheffler, who's out on the course, is a hell of a leaderboard, if you haven't looked at it just yet. Saturday night I'll be ringside for Wilder Fury 3. And then Sunday, we start off the pregame show at about 11 in the morning. But there's something going on that the Raiders are developing and brewing. I would highly recommend you be in your seats and get into the game because the Raiders are looking to blow your mind in the pregame. So you heard it from your buddy, JT. Thanks to all of our partners. I'm off tomorrow. We'll have an hour, and we're also going to do a tribute to the late great Al Davis, 10 years since he passed away, to the day, tomorrow on Friday. So think of the Davis family. Thanks again to everybody here at Shriners, a fantastic charity to be involved with, a high honor to be here today. Have a great day, Bobby, great job producing the show. Thanks to all of our guests, especially those two young men who were fantastic, the patient ambassadors. Have a great day, everybody. You guys have a good day, man. See you.